I'm a little slow on that. I didn't preach last Sunday, so I got to be like y'all. I came here early service last week and was able to sit over in this right corner and just enjoy the service, listen to Matthew preach and James and the band. And so it was a lot of fun for me. And so I'm just assuming that every week y'all come here, it's just a lot of fun for y'all too. And so it was a, it was a nice treat. Uh, uh, today I wanted just to share with you, basically we're, we're beginning a new series of messages entitled Stress Busters. And what we're going to be focusing on today is uh, the antidote to worry. Now, as we begin this new year, I know that there's a lot of us who are probably have already made some, some great resolutions that we're hoping to keep for this year. But I think a great resolution that we can strive for this year is that to, for us to move towards eliminating really worry from dominating our lives. Because I really believe a lot of us struggle with that issue. I heard the story about a man who was involved in tree skiing. Uh, this is an actual sport. It's, it sounds, it, it is, it is an absolutely crazy sport. What these skiers will do is they will not ski down slopes. They'll go to the top of the mountains and they'll avoid the slopes and they will ski in between the trees going down the mountain. And so one of these guys was interviewed, and they said, how in the world do you keep from hitting the tree? And he said, well, what you do, and this is really scientific here. He said, what you do is you look at where you want to go. Okay, that made sense to me. He said, well, one thing you don't want to do is he says, if you don't want to hit a tree, he said, don't look at it. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, there is a genius in that statement. I mean, as many of us struggle with worry, what so many of us do is we put all of our focus and all of our attention on the things that we don't want to happen, and sure enough, what ends up happening is we end up slamming right into those things that we want to avoid in the first place. Now, my guess is that most of us, at one point or another, struggle with worry, you know, we worry about our kids, we worry about our jobs, we worry about how ends are going to meet and all this different stuff. But I'm learning that worry does not solve problems. Did you all know that? I mean, think about it. all the things that you worry about. How much difference does your worry make for what happened in the past? How much does your worrying about the future make a difference about what's going to happen? It doesn't. It just simply exaggerates the problems that we do have. And so worry really doesn't do us a whole lot of good. And it's interesting to me that out of all of creation, there is only one creature who worries. And it's just people. You know, have you all ever seen a monkey worry? You know, you know, they don't worry. We are the only ones who worry. Now, when you're born, you're not born worrying. It is, a, it is a trait or it is something that you have to learn how to do. And so the good news is that if worry is something that we have to learn how to do, then that, that would also mean that it is also something that we can unlearn. And so as we go through the 23rd Psalm over the next several weeks, it's my hope that we're going to begin to get a better grasp on what God tries to teach us through the 23rd Psalm. And in particular today... What we're going to see is how God wants us to find out that there is an antidote to worry in our lives. Today in our scripture, King David is going to share with us that antidote to worry. And I know a lot of people whose lives have been wrecked and are being wrecked by worry. And so it's my hope that together 
as a people and as a church, we will pledge that we are not going to allow our lives to be dominated by fear and worry, but instead we are going to trust that God is true to his word and that God can give and provide us peace. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in Psalm chapter 23, uh, verse number 1. It's the only verse we're going to look at today. Next six, six weeks after this Sunday, we're, going to, we're just simply going to work our way through the 23rd Psalm. And this, this verse, uh, chapter 23, verse number 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now this imagery would have spoken very Uh, Very well to the people being written to. The Lord is my shepherd. And the reason why is because in Israel, shepherding was just, it was a part of everyday life. It was a part of the culture. Um, It doesn't speak to us so much today because in Blythewood, I'm curious, how many of y'all seen shepherds in Blythewood? Y'all ever seen a guy just walking down the street with a big old staff, you know, just whipping the the sheep into line? Doesn't happen. You know, it doesn't, this scripture doesn't speak to us like it did to the people being written to. But as we go through this text over the next several weeks, it's my hope that we will begin to get a better understanding of what it means for God to be our shepherd. Again, verse number one, it says, the Lord is what? He is my shepherd. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, in, in that very simple verse, we're going to see that in those words, there is an antidote to worry. What, what is the, God's antidote to worry? First of all, Believe that God will take care of me. Believe God will take care of me. It says again, verse number one, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Another translation of this verse is, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Now, if you have everything that you need, do you know what this means for you concerning worry? It means you don't need to worry. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Now, if we believe that and we trust that and Jesus is our shepherd, that means there is no need for me to worry. Now, you might say, well, why is it that if God is my shepherd that that's an antidote to worry for me in my life? I mean, how does that make a difference for me? Well, think about what the role of a shepherd was with his sheep. What, what is the primary role of a shepherd with his sheep? What's he supposed to do with sheep? He'd take care of them. Uh, I'm surprised. Somebody in the first service said, eat them. No, that's not it. That's not what he's trying to do. A shepherd wants to take care of his sheep. So how does he do that? He makes sure they have something to eat. He makes sure they have something to drink. He makes sure that they have shelter. He makes sure that they have have, uh, good pastures to go to. He will even risk his life in order to protect the sheep. Almost every picture you see of a shepherd, what is, other than a lamb, what is a shepherd holding in his hand? It's on the staff. Now that staff isn't just to give him balance. It's not just a cane for him. When he's climbing up a hill, it has a hook on the end of that staff. And that is whenever whenever a sheep gets into trouble, he's able to use that hook and grab that sheep and pull him out of harm's way. Now, those are some of the jobs that a shepherd has with his sheep. And whenever you kind of go through that list of what a shepherd does with his sheep, you can begin to understand why it's such great imagery that we are told that God is the shepherd of his people. It's a great analogy. God desires to watch over us like sheep. 
This is backed up in Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, if you look up at that verse, the key word in that verse is needs. It says, My God will meet all your needs. Notice it does not say your greeds. Does not say God's going to meet all your greeds. There is a big difference between needs and wants in there. Parents, I mean, I, I learned, I, I never knew that until we started having kids. There is a big difference between needs and wants. Now, if God met every one of our wants, what's going to end up happening to us is we're going to end up being a bunch of spoiled brats, and God is not going to be our shepherd. Instead, He's going to be like our genie. God wants to be our shepherd. But another thing I want you to pick up on in Philippians 4.19 is it says, My God will meet all your needs. It doesn't say, God, God did not say, I might meet your needs, or if I think about it, I'll meet your needs. He says, I will meet all your needs. Now, if God is your shepherd, there is a promise that he will meet your needs. That means that God is putting his character on the line. The question is, are we going to trust his character? Now, what kind of character does God have? His perfect character. Hebrews 6.18 tells us it is impossible for God to lie. So that means that whenever God tells us something in Scripture, whenever he gives a promise, he's going to keep it. Why? Because his character is on the line. Now, according to Philippians 4.19, how many of your needs will, will he meet? Y'all remember what it said? He'll meet all your needs. What does that include? It includes everything, right? Now, if God will meet all your needs, it includes everything, then that means we should not worry. Because Jesus has us covered. He'll take care of us. You know, I have, uh, uh, fortunately... Uh, I have I have insurance, and every three months I have to go to the pharmacy to pick up supplies, and I have to pick up some things for myself. And so every three months, whenever I go there, I don't because I have insurance. I don't fret about whether or not they're going to have all the stuff that I need. I just you know I'm covered, and so I just simply go there and I say, hey, this is what I need, and they go, yeah, we've got you down, and they give me the supplies that I need. And it's all because I have insurance. I've covered. In a similar sense, that's how Jesus is. You see, if Jesus is our shepherd, we have nothing to worry about because we are covered. What does he cover? Well, according to Philippians 4.19, it says that he will cover all of our needs. He will take care of us, therefore we don't have to worry. So then the big question is this, is, is Jesus your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? See, Jesus isn't the shepherd of everyone. He's only the shepherd of those who will allow him to be the shepherd. Now, a lot of us, we want Jesus to be our shepherd. You know, we want him to be our protector, our provider. No, we don't want him to be our Lord. You know, we don't want him to be the one that, that gets to actually tell us what to do. We want to live like we want to and then say, God, as a side, would you please, you know, just sort of supplemental coverage, would you just take care of me and let me do whatever I want to do? But that's not how it works. You see, Jesus cannot be your shepherd without, first of all, being your Lord. That's why in our verse it says, the Lord is my shepherd, Lord is first, shepherd is next. So the question is, is, is Jesus your Lord? Now to accept Jesus as your Lord requires a few things. In John 10, 14, 27, 
Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice and they follow me. Now, when Jesus is your shepherd, there's a few things that you're going to do. You're going to know him, according to our verse. You're going to listen to him, and you're going to follow him. So then, who is in control of your life? Who's the one that's calling the shots in your life? Who is the CEO of your life? Who's making the decisions? When you make decisions in your life, do you base them off of what you want to do? Or do you allow the leadership of God, as given to us in Scripture, help dictate how you're going to live your life? Who is the Lord of your life? Who is the one that is directing you? Because whenever I look into our text, I see that there's an antidote to worry. There's some antidotes. One is believe God will take care of me. And there's to come that time where we're just going to trust God. But another antidote to worry that I see is to begin praying about everything. If you want to move beyond worry in your life, One step, one antidote that you need to take is to begin to pray about everything in your life. Now, I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. It's one of my favorite verses because here's what it says. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. If you are eat up with worry in your life, you have two options. One, you can panic or you can pray. When you panic, how many of y'all end up making great decisions in life? Whenever you panic, how many of you say, that is just such a great feeling? Isn't that awful? When you are worrying, you can either panic or you can pray. Now, what's the advantage of prayer? Prayer carries with it power. What are we to pray about? That's why I like Philippians 4, 6 so much. Verse number 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything but in, it says, everything. Bring your requests to God. Now, it's real easy to think, you know, some of the stuff I'm facing, it's not that big of a deal. I don't want to take up God's time. I don't want to waste His time. Let me tell you something. If it's big enough for you to worry about, then it's big enough for you to bring it to God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word cast is such a neat word. Let me share with you what it means. It means to unload. It means to let it go. Uh, the literal trans- translation of it in the Greek language in which this was written is to drop. When you have worries, our, our text tells us that we are to drop them before the Lord. Actually, to drop them on him. In the New Testament, you might remember the story of Paul. He was on a ship, and the ship was getting ready to be broken apart. It was too heavy. The waves were beating against it. So in order to help the ship survive, they dumped all the cargo. They unloaded it all. They dropped it over the side. The ship became lighter, and it was able to maneuver more easily. Now, once they got rid of all that extra cargo, do you think that they said, Man, we need some of that stuff. Let's go get our dinghy and get, back, get that stuff back on board. What would have happened had they done that? The ship would have got heavy again and it would have gotten weighed down. 
Now we'd say, well, that was crazy. Nobody would do that. But did you know a lot of us do that? With a lot of the junk we carry around in our lives, we say, we're going to drop it before God. And then we, we pray and we let it go. And then we look at it and say, you know what, I think I need to get that back on board again. Because I think I can, I can handle the problem. And so what happens is a lot of us, we are, a lot of us are carrying around a lot of excess baggage in our lives. Because we are worried about our futures, we're worried about our jobs, we're worried about our children. Some of us religious folks, we're worried about whether or not we're going to be good enough for God. And what happens is we get so weighed down by all these different worries that we begin to go into the water. And we begin to drown in our lives. And we're just looking for a breath. What's the answer? It's to come to God in prayer. And say, God, I don't know what else to do, but I'm dropping the stuff on your back because I can't carry it anymore. In James 5.13, it says, is any one of you in trouble? It says he should pray. In all honesty, the best thing that we can do is to put our worries on the Lord because he can carry our worries. The most physically demanding labor I've ever done in my life, and probably some of you are thinking, what could that have been? Uh, the most demanding labor I've ever done in my life was a number of years ago. I went to Mexico on a trip to put a roof on top of a church, a cement roof. I, I can't figure that one out. And so we got together, and we were, we were mixing concrete, put it in these buckets. And uh, wait a minute, it's like 75 pounds. You put them on your back, and you had to run them up three flights of stairs. And, of course, I'm sitting there looking around going, are there any elevators anywhere? There's not. And so, uh, so I'm sitting there running up and down, and we'd do that, and then I'd go downstairs, and they would. There's a truck that had all this this uh, this concrete mix or cement mix, whatever. weighed like each bag weighed like 75 pounds, and they'd throw it off the truck. You would catch it. Now that was a problem for me since I weigh 86 pounds, and so they're throwing this cement off the truck, and you know and I'm catching it. We're running it over and we're unloading it. We're doing this for a long time, and finally I'm I'm like winded and. We were like 7,000 feet above sea level. I'm, this is more impressive, isn't it? So we're, you know, the air's thin. I'm like sucking wind. And I bent over, and some yahoo grabs a bag and throws it, and it hits me in the back. Now, when it does that, I, take, I stumble five steps forward, and I face plant. And I just fall down, and the guy walks over. Everybody's laughing. And the guy walks over to me. He goes, hey, he goes, why don't you just go mix the concrete? He said, I'll take it from here. Now, I was at a point where I was just absolutely wiped out and tired, and I couldn't carry anymore. And what I need is I needed somebody with a stronger back than me to take the load. And guys, that is what prayer is all about for us. And casting our anxieties upon the Lord. You see, we all need somebody who's got a stronger back than we do. Because there's going to come a point in all of our lives when there's going to be so much stuff that is coming our way, we just can't handle it by ourselves. And that's why Jesus tells us to come to him when we are weary and burdened. Because he can give us rest. Because he can carry the load for us. And that's why we are to come to him in prayer and say, God, here is the load that I have, and I can't carry it anymore. God, I'm just going to trust you with it. And I'm going to relax in you. So what's the antidote to worry? Believe God will take care of me. 
The second thing is to bring or to begin praying about everything. That's the last thing I want you to see. God's final antidote to worry is to consider one day at a time. Tired of worrying? Focus on the day. In verse number 1 again, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, in life, let your focus be today. I'm not saying you don't look ahead, but as you live, you live one day at a time. Rick Warren, a pastor, had this to say, and I really like this. He said, don't start pulling out the umbrella until it starts raining. And I thought, man, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, whenever we, whenever we pull out the umbrella early, we're not, we're not helping tomorrow. We begin to worry about the past, what we wish would have happened. You don't change the past. Worry doesn't do anything except for suck the life out of you. That word worry, it literally means to strangle. Isn't that interesting? It means to choke. Worry will choke the life out of your life. Our focus is to be on today. Because if it's not, you're going to get overwhelmed. Think again about the sheep and the shepherd. Do you think sheep worry about tomorrow? (laughs) Absolutely not. What does sheep do? They follow the shepherd. You know, they just when they get up in the morning, they're like, "Where's the shepherd?" Then where's the shepherd? Why? Because they, he's going he's to give them something to eat. They trust him implicitly. Is that a lesson for us? When we get up in the morning, we just simply need to look for the shepherd. Now, why do we struggle with that concept so much? I think we struggle with it so much. Or I know I do. Is because I like to think I have control. And I want to worry about tomorrow because I want, to, I want to be able to make something happen, to make it different. But you know what? I, the, the older I get, the more I realize that I have control over nothing. And so whenever I worry, I'm simply wasting my time. So what's the antidote? It is for me to come to the Lord and for you to come to the Lord and say this. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm going to trust him. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm going to trust that that he's going to lead me in paths of righteousness. And that he's got a big enough back to handle whatever comes my way. I I would encourage you, you ought to go home and read the 23rd Psalm. Because as you read the 23rd Psalm, you're going to find these words all throughout those six verses. I, me, and my. Matter of fact, I wrote it down. Uh, 17 times in six verses, the word I, my, or me is used. The word you, talking about God, is used five times. He or his is used anywhere from seven to ten times. What does that mean? It means this is, a, this is a passage of Scripture that deals with a relationship with God. It is very personal. And I want you to know, religion will not relieve your stress. Religion will not stop you worrying. Religion is not what you and I need. You know what we need? We need Jesus. We don't need religion. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus didn't make us for religion. He made us for himself. He made us to worship him. And, and, and that makes sense. I mean, think about it. Jesus made us to say to him, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Because he's our creator. He knows what's best for us. He knows how he has created us, how he desires for us to live our lives. And so I want to invite you today to to take that opening step of inviting Christ to be your shepherd if you've never done so. Ask Jesus to be your Lord, to be your CEO, to be your manager, to be your shepherd. And that's exactly what he'll be. Now, I, I don't know... I don't know all the stresses that you guys face. I don't know some of the, some of the, maybe some of the junk that you're dealing with in your life right now, whether it be in, in, in marriages, whether it be in your job, whether it be in, in struggles with your kids. I don't know what it is that you might be struggling with. But here's what I do know. I do know God loves you. I do know that God wants to be your shepherd. And so here's my challenge for you. I, I want to encourage you to take those very first words that we read. The Lord is my shepherd. You've got to emphasize each one of those words. The Lord is my shepherd. What's, what's Lord? It's the one who calls the shots in your life. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he, is he the one who's dictating how you live, how you make decisions in life? The Lord is my shepherd. When he becomes Lord, he is your shepherd. It's not that he might be or he will be for a period of time. He is, and that that word is, is speaking of not just the present but also the future. The Lord is my shepherd. Who's the one that's guiding your life? Who's the one that's leading you to green pastures? Who's the one that you are trusting with your life? Now you might say, you know what, I don't know if the Lord is my shepherd. If he's not, he can be.